0: Hey there, everybody. This is Ryan here with the Mile High Music Podcast. We're excited this week because we're going to be bringing you the interview that we did with Mr. Bob Margolin.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's cool to have Bob on our podcast. As many of you know, he's been out here to Colorado numerous times playing over the years. I believe the very first time uh, in our little circle of of, uh, influence around here. Uh, Al Chessis from the Delta Sonics brought him out to play with those guys at the Boulder Blues and Greens at the Boulder Outlook many years ago. And I think that was the first time they'd ever had a national act at the Blues and Greens. So that was cool. That kicked off a whole series of great shows there. But Bob's been out many times since then. And I've been fortunate enough to play on some of those dates with the Delta Sonics and Bob. And uh, that's always been an amazing experience. But it's great to have him on the podcast. We we got into all kinds of stuff, talked about his years with Muddy and the uh, Pinetop Foundation and what he's been up to lately and just all kinds of good stuff. So uh, it was a, a good little chat we had and I uh, hope you all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed taping it.
0: Yeah. And uh, just want to remind all you guys that you can check us out on our Facebook page at Mile High M- Music Podcast. And make sure that whatever you're listening to this on, you uh, drop us a uh, rating and maybe leave a comment if you like. Kind of help us get this thing off the ground for us. Yeah, drop us a rating. Five stars. Ha ha ha. (laughs) All right. Enjoy the interview, everybody.
1: All right. Welcome out to our fourth Mile High Music Podcast with Kyle and Ryan. And this evening we have an extra special guest with the great Bob Margolin, uh, noted singer and blues guitar player, Been around for many years. Uh, Was in the Muddy Waters band for a little over seven years. Right, Bob?
2: A little under, but who's counting?
1: (laughs) Well, I've got a good stretch of time and did some great work with Muddy and has had an awesome career of his own as well. So we're happy to have you on board, Bob, and thrilled to be able to talk to you about, about your adventures in the music biz and playing blues all around the world. And we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here with us.
2: Well, I'm glad we can get together some way, huh?
1: Yeah, right. This this day and age of being quarantined, it's it's nice to be able to talk to somebody besides Ryan and my wife, <laughs> right? <laughs> and hey, it's Bob Margolin, so all the better. It's cool. Um, so getting started here, uh, like I was saying, what I did was a little bit of research, and actually a lot of research the past couple of days, just digging into your discography. And, uh, so we can bounce around on that. I took a few notes and have a few questions, but like I told you when I was texting about this, this is a very loose free form format. So if we bounce around here and there, it's no big deal. Um, we just are fascinated to learn about what you've done in the blues world. And, and, uh, to be able to share that, not only with our friends out here in Colorado, but everybody on the good old interweb. So, uh, be cool to to look into it, so in my notes here, Bob, I got you starting out in the sixties working with a couple of bands, Indigo and Freeborn, and it seems like Freeborn got a little traction out there in Boston where you grew up. Is that right?
2: Well, there were a number of bands by that name, and it's that's really a long time ago, right yeah. uh, and I was uh a teenager or a young adult when I was in those bands,
1: yeah. What kind of music were you delving into the blues then, or was it more of a free form thing or? Uh,
2: well, I was falling in love with the blues, but the, the bands played, uh, there, there were a bunch of different bands. Some of them, uh, were, uh, all the way into the psychedelic era and, right. uh, everybody liked and played some blues. And then there were some blues rock bands, uh, towards the end of that time and, and went on from there. But uh, by the late 60s, I was uh, really falling in love with blues music. Well, Boston
1: has kind of its own, like different parts of the country do, Boston has its own little heritage of, of blues and stuff with uh, like Jay Giles' band is out of there. And uh, with the Berklee School of Music being around there, I'm sure you encountered a
0: lot of great musicians around the Boston area and stuff. So that must have been nice. What were some of the guys you were running with back in those days, Bob?
2: Well, in uh, the early 70s, uh, there was a, a great piano player who uh, we lost in 2015 named David Maxwell. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <clears throat> and uh, I really miss him. He was one of those very rare people that you could call a true genius Mm. if I heard him play blues on a piano that was just the tip of the iceberg he could play all styles of music he traveled all over the world and uh we were good friends and loved to get on a bandstand together
1: I noticed in going through your discography that that you had played with him early on in Boston and then in later years you wound up being on records with him um which must have been great to be able to reconnect like that, especially with a guy of that talent, it's, it's uh, an enriching experience for sure. Dave Maxwell played with geez, almost as many people as you have, Bob. <laughs> I mean, he's on a lot of records and stuff. So, uh, must have been interesting. I mean, I'm looking down here that you played with Luther, Luther Johnson for a, a short spell, and that's kind of about the time that Muddy picked you up. Can you talk about how that worked out, or? Did you guys just happen to meet in passing
2: or I'm sorry.
1: That's all right. I'm just curious how the connection got made.
2: Well, there's two Luther Johnsons. One of them was Luther Georgia boy, Snake Johnson, and he had been in Muddy Waters band in the 1960s. And in the early seventies, he moved to Boston and started a band. I was playing with him from around the last three months in 1971 through the first three months of 1972. And he played, he ran his band the same way that Muddy Waters did. It was like a minor league Muddy Waters band. Uh And I learned a lot from him and from other people in the band. There's a guitar player that was in the band named Mark Evangelos, who lives in Florida now. Uh, But uh, we did six shows a night, six nights a week with a three-set mat nay on uh sunday Mm. but uh that was a very powerful learning experience for me i was also uh playing a very heavy Les ball guitar and Uh even though i was only about 21 at the time my left shoulder started to get lower than my right shoulder (laughs) just from the guitar strap of that heavy guitar being on it and standing there playing so often with it Mm-hmm. I would right say
0: that doing three shows a night for six days a week, that's that's quite a lot of, uh, that's quite a lot of less call the, time.
2: Don't forget the, uh, three set matinees on Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, grief. David Maxwell was in and out of that band. He and I were going to start a band with some people from Worcester, call, and it's going to be called the Boston Blues Band. Mm. And, uh, but David and I went down to see Freddie King one night and uh, David was not shy. He asked him if he could sit in and Freddie King picked him right up. And uh, so uh, we didn't get to play together except for uh, jamming during that time in our lives. Yeah. But uh, I Can't was in the boss. Can't blame for that gig. No, I sure don't. <laughs> anyway, we... Uh, I was in the Boston blues band and we opened shows for Muddy Waters and I met him. He could see I was trying to play old school Chicago blues and he was very nice to me, which was a thrill because he was my favorite musician. Right. And, uh, we, as I say, we did open some shows for him. And one time he was playing in Boston in about August of 1973. And I, uh, I was the first one to show up in the building and I saw the harmonica player uh, before anybody else. And uh, he uh, told me that Muddy had fired somebody the night before and uh, Muddy came out of his dressing room and presumed correctly that if I had a chance to join his band, I'd want (laughs) to do that. He said, come to my hotel and bring a guitar. So I did. And I had him scoped out good. I played some, some of the same style of uh, blues that he played, old, what he called old school Chicago blues. And uh, when I got to the end of the introduction, Muddy started singing, mm. which was the uh, biggest musical thrill I'd ever had up to that point. i And say. Uh, I don't think he thought I was a great guitar player. I think he uh, was more like a puppy doing a trick. But uh, he uh, took me in the band, gave me a chance to get on the road. I'm still riding. Uh, actually, up until five weeks ago.
0: Right. <laughs> For all of us.
1: Yeah. Our drop dead date was March 13th with the Corona. That's the last gig Ryan and I played together. And, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with all that. But I'm just thinking, like when I was that age in my early 20s, I mean, you talk about it being a thrill. I can't imagine this guy who's your favorite musician anyway. Would have been a thrill just to go see him play, much less be invited to join his band. Uh and I can't imagine the emotions you must have gone through, like your first time going out to Chicago to to play with him out there, you know, in the heart and soul of, you know, where all this this blues erupted out of um, the Chicago style blues and and being able to now become associated with, you know, Pine Top and Willie Smith and many others. It just must have been you, you must have just had to pinch yourself. huh? I mean, I can't imagine what that must have felt like for you. You seem like a pretty calm, collected guy, but wow, that would blow anybody away.
2: Uh, I promise you, I appreciated it fully in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it must have been really something. Um,
0: So on that, uh, once you hooked up with him, was that the first time you went to Chicago? uh,
2: Yes, it was. Uh, I didn't do it uh, right away. The first gig that I uh, played with him was at the end of the week when I joined the band that was in Boston, where I was from. But uh, then we did another gig in New York City, and uh, then after that, I started uh, going out to Chicago, but I still lived in Boston at the time, so I would take a a flight out there and take a a cab to wherever I I had to get to to meet the band. Mm. So what was that like for you?
0: Sorry, Uh, what was that like for you, kind of the first time going into Chicago, which for you a little bit of like your uh, musical holy land and and doing that on the back of now being fresh into muddy waters band
2: well i was aware of the music i was aware of the importance of chicago mm-hmm. in the music and i uh, i i have to say i enjoyed it and appreciated it at the same time mm-hmm. it wasn't like okay yeah i'll go here and go there it wasn't like oh my god I'm living the dream. (laughs) It was a a great opportunity, and uh, I enjoyed it and tried to make the most of it. First, to please Muddy, which was my job, Mm -hmm. and second of all, to learn a lot for myself and to be able to use that during the time I was playing with him and for myself later on.
0: So you had your eye on the big picture on that from, uh, from the early days.
2: Uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah.
0: That's great, man. And it really is. Obviously you made uh smart moves on that front. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm going down as the timeline kind of unfolds here. A lot happens in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, the, uh, I'm looking at my notes here. The, um, the, uh, oh, let me see, the Unk and Funk album gets worked on and released with a killer lineup with Cary Bell and Willie Smith and Pine Top and Calvin Jones. And uh, I couldn't find where that record was recorded.
2: Do you remember that? Yes, it was recorded in uh, February of 1974 at uh, the Chess uh, Records Studio in Chicago.
1: That's what I wondered.
2: But, uh, it wasn't the original one. It was uh, the uh, the last Chess record studio,
1: right? So here you go, blowing out to Chicago, and now you're recording at Chess and, and playing with Muddy and and uh, creating friendships that became lifelong with Pine Top and and Willie Smith and and others. Um, and I having had the great good fortune of having played with you myself um i was going to mention that we i was looking at my notes we go back to like this gig at 2003 at uh, the soil dove here in denver where um i was playing with al chessis and the delta sonics then and we opened for you and at that time you were pine top was still alive and willie smith was there and mookie brill and it was just it was a very moving show and and you know i'm not trying to just stroke you here because we got you on the podcast but uh it was so cool that you had these these players and you're you're so committed to to keeping this this music alive um and i don't know how you do it man but uh, it must have been all the time on the bandstand with muddy and everything but that feeling is comes across you know it really knocked me out that night, and uh I just it, it must' have just been an extremely ex- intense experience going into chess and recording with these guys, and uh I think we have a little bit of that actually. you got that rolling and tumbling hold up, Brian?: yeah.
2: yeah, let's play some of that. Oh my god, that that is uh, one of the weirdest the weirdest recording of muddies that I've ever been on. Oh really I just picked, picked out. Uh, the producer in the middle of it ran out of the control room, waving his arms. So everybody stopped. (laughs) And uh, I said, what happened? Who died? Right. I mean, it was like, you know, the building's on fire or something. And uh, everybody stopped. And he says, no, I'm just trying to get you guys excited. Uh, (laughs) keep, Keep going. Start up. Start up. We'll fix it when we mix it. He actually said that. Wow. (laughs) Let's roll a little bit of that here. uh, 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 Do do you mind if I uh, stick my head in the toilet while you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's skip that part
1: where the producer runs in.
0: (laughs) Is this the right cut?
2: No. That's the older one. That's that's, uh, Muddy Waters in the early... uh, in in the early '50s. Well, Let me see well, if I can dig that up. That's not that's not the cut. I like that one much better. <laughs> it's a good one. So when but I that, was, that, I, I was four when that recording came out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good version.
1: Um, when when I was doing my research on this, I, trying to find some of this music isn't as easy as you it ought to be. And the the Unkin Funk was particularly hard to find. I thought i picked out the right rolling and tumbling there, but that's okay. Great cut anyway. Got to love Muddy doing rolling and tumbling, so.
2: Well, Uh, well, yeah, and I can take my head out of the toilet now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the next project that you got involved with was, I'm I'm thinking was a little bit more fun for you, in that uh, 76 Woodstock album with uh, the members of the band. And uh, with Paul Butterfield, too, uh, that must have been really something, digging into that whole thing with those guys. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yes, I really loved the band since they started out in the late 60s. So getting to work with uh, Levon Helm and Garth Hudson from the band in Woodstock and, of course, Paul Butterfield, too, uh, that was, That was just a thrill from our band, uh, me and Pine Top were there, and of course it was Muddy's album, and right. uh, it uh, it really came out good. It was a, a great album, and uh, getting to know uh, Levon and Garth a lot better uh, yeah. was was a real thrill, and uh, those are friendships that lasted.
1: Sure enough. And going on to do The Last Waltz that same year, I mean, it, um, just pretty heady times for you and stuff. Um, that album won a Grammy if, if I have my notes right here uh, and, and playing at The Last Waltz uh, thing, which I've, I've been reading your your book, your your online book, which I have to recommend to anybody out there. If you want a, a good read with some great blues stories, you got to pick up Bob's book because it's, it's good stuff. And, Bob, I gotta tell you, as good as a guitar player and, and blues singer as you are, you're you're also a great writer. You know how to put a thought across and paint a picture with words. It's it's really good reading. So thank you for that. But um so going on to to do the last waltz, on the heels of having recorded this, and I'm kind of assuming that it went in that order uh that year. I couldn't find the exact date of recording the Um, the Woodstock album, but I'm assuming that came before The Last Waltz,
2: right? Yeah, the Woodstock album was recorded in January 1975 and came out a couple of months later. And in 1976, The Last Waltz was at the end of the year. Right. Uh, That uh, happened on Thanksgiving, and the movie didn't come out till 1978. Mm. It all happened so fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, it must have seemed like your life was just, (laughs)
2: no, just, <laughs> not, there was a, there was months or years in between those things
1: so were you touring during that time with Muddy I'm guessing and, and going to Europe and stuff or or around the states or what was going
2: on yeah everywhere everywhere uh, which was uh, a lot of fun and a very interesting thing to do yeah. still the biggest thrill was just to play blues on stage with him he was that powerful
1: yeah yeah i can imagine it it just must have been really good times for you i mean i've had some periods in my life that were not that heady uh as far as up in the stratosphere of of uh of musicianship and and you know noteworthy people in the history of music but uh very creative time periods and when that's going on it's um it's just an excellent experience to have, you know. And uh, as I was doing my research on this and reading your book and stuff, I'm thinking to myself, Good Lord, this just must have been a really fun time in your life. I mean, you must have just been, I mean, I know you said you weren't thinking about living the dream, but you were kind of living the dream during these years, right?
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really, not not exactly. I, I was that uh, that was life as it was then, and I was always thrilled and honored to meet great musicians. Uh, but that time, nineteen seventy three to nineteen seventy eighty, uh, to I mean, nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty was a special time in my life, and that's the only part that some people are interested in. Oh. Is what I did when I was around famous people like right. Muddy Waters. Yeah, uh, if that's there, there's there's more to it than that. But most Muddy was such a powerful person that uh, you know I, I understand that's what most people are interested, in. that's all we've talked about.
0: Well, well I, I have a question uh, just about where you you personally were at. So uh, what were you focusing on on that time? Were, were you um, to have the longer play of your career in mind and, and trying to leverage these uh, connections of these experiences you were having? And, or were you just locked in on trying to focus on absorbing what you could so you could turn that into something in the future?
2: I was just doing things day by day, and I wasn't thinking much about the future. I figured it would take care of itself. Yeah. I was very aware that uh, people like Muddy and Pontop were 33 and 35 years older than me. Right. And that if uh, I lived a long enough life, sometime it would be past theirs. And right. uh, I also presumed I might uh, be in other bands or have my own band someday.
0: Yeah. So what was that like, though, when you when you finally did strike out on your own? Uh, what, what was your first goal that you set for yourself?
2: I really didn't set a goal. I just uh, tried to keep playing. I just wanted to play nice music for people that love blues.
1: Yeah. Well, you did a hell of a job. I mean, skipping ahead a bit because I purposely, and when I was talking to Ryan about this, I was like, you know, the muddy period is interesting and it's, it's some big time stuff, you know, women winning Grammy awards and working with Johnny winter and all these guys, but you've, there's a long period of time here. And in the time I've known you for 17 years or so that you've been releasing really quality music, uh, with great players, some famous, some having become known since you recorded with them and stuff. But, um, it's, it's always like this cut above, you know, I'm, um, the uh, Heaven, Mississippi tune that came out in 2016 off the My Road Record is one I know that in my circle of friends got talked about a lot. I mean, uh, the video that you did with that was really moving and that was filmed in Muddy's house. Is that right? Do I remember that correctly?
2: No, but it was filmed in Clarksdale, Mississippi, where Muddy was raised. Right. Uh, I uh, am the musical director for the Ponta Perkins Foundation's master classes, which is uh, a workshop of three or four days each uh, each summer, except this one, coming one. Right. And uh, but we'll do it virtually if we can. Yeah. Uh, but. I was down there, and a great filmmaker named Scott Rosenbaum, who uh, did a film called Sidemen that featured mostly uh oh. willie big Guy Smith and uh, and Pinetop perkins uh, as well as uh old Bob Stroger that was in there uh, oh. and i got got to play with them a little bit and they ended up having a lot of uh, well-known people talking about William and as as sidemen. Mm-hmm. But uh, Scott uh, did this video for me and he's uh, more than just uh, somebody that's talented uh, with iPhone movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I had him put together that video and two more since then. And uh, I, I think they're special. But, what, are the, what are the
1: other uh, two? Just so I can note it down here. Check it out later
2: okay. on. Okay. Uh, one is from 2018. It's a song called Mercy. And one uh, was uh, released uh, actually in, in the last uh, few months called Overtime. was the name of the song, and that's from an acoustic album that I made uh, last year, Yeah. the end of last year. This
1: Guitar and Me Tonight,
2: right? The, this this Guitar and Tonight is the name of the album. Yeah,
1: right, right. Um, can you play a little bit of that, Ryan? I think I've added that to our list, one called Evil Walks the World and, and This Guitar and Me Tonight. You wrote these songs, right? Uh,
2: yes, I did, called This Guitar and Tonight.
0: So, Bob, I want to ask you, um, what was the uh, inspiration for uh, this This being the time to do an acoustic album?
2: Well, I was wondering if I could make one more record in 2019. And by uh, my partner in the Vistone Label Group, one of the partners named Amy Bratt, who has Brat Girl Media, which is... Uh, the social media for a lot of musicians and labels. Uh, she said, you should do something if you're going to do one more this year, do something that's very different, like an all-acoustic album. And I just had a uh, old acoustic guitar fixed up, and so a little blue light bulb went on over my head, and uh, I uh, I made an acoustic album, and it's uh all original songs on it one was an older original that i repurposed uh for for this album but the uh all the other ones i just wrote uh during the summer and recorded them at home with an acoustic guitar
0: nice since uh a lot of our listenership are also a bunch of musicians uh what what guitar were you playing
2: it's mid nineteen thirties Gibson L double It's a small-bodied acoustic guitar that uh, has no highs and no lows, but it's angel sweet in the middle, and it weighs about a pound.
0: <laughs> we actually have a what is that a nineteen forty-five uh, L O? Yeah, that's like I think it's the the cheaper version of that, and it's, it it does have a sound to it.
1: Yeah, I bought this guitar for 300 bucks, man. I, now, to explain that, the bridge was screwed on with a Phillips head screw. So, you know, it, <laughs>
0: that thing <is> fucked up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it needed a little work, but I figured for 300 bucks, I couldn't go wrong. I took it to a luthier and got it fixed up. But that guitar you were playing on that recording, I've listened to the record. It's just, it's its a great record, man. I, I love the, the acoustic stuff. uh Came out good. I would think you'd be pretty happy with that one.
2: I'm glad I did it. Now that I'm home, I'm doing a lot of recording at home for videos that will be online. Uh, with, with an acoustic guitar, either that one or a national steel guitar that I have. Mm. Uh, but I've, Oh, in the last couple of days, I've uh, pulled out an electric guitar and played it through a really, really small amplifier.
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm going to do some of both. But since I'm not out there gigging, I'm going to do as much uh, playing from home as I can Mm -hmm. and record those and have them uh, probably published on Facebook and YouTube.
0: That's great, man. Do you do a lot of recording at home or is this a new experience for you?
2: No, I've uh, done. Uh, a lot of the recording that i have done is at home the last two albums this one and the one before it in 2018 that was just titled after my name and i did one in about 2006 called in north carolina that i did at home all by myself
1: right so you have your local guys there uh chuck cotton Tad Waters, right? Do I have that
2: right? Uh, Tad Walters.
1: Walters, I'm sorry.
2: You it was Muddy wa- Waters.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: <I'm> not, <laughs> no relationship. <laughs> and, 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 and no little Walter, <laughs> or big Walter, right? <laughs> or medium sized Walter. No. <laughs> but there was Walters. Well,
1: that's good. <laughs> um, those guys live in North Carolina. Um, do I have that right? They do. They do. So are you able to do anything with them right now at all? Are you guys able to, you know, like, like Ryan and I have been doing some, trying to get together online to do stuff or, or however we can. Sending is, tracks
0: back and forth and all that?
1: Right. You guys able to do anything like that or are you just kind of shut down for now?
2: Well, yeah, we are, we are shut down for now. We would have had a few gigs together around now. Yeah. But uh, I've been doing other things too. One thing that has been a real thrill in the last uh, few years, say since 2016 was the first one, was to do a celebration of the last waltz. But mm. it's not people trying to reproduce the the band's music or the la- the music that was in the last waltz, but really well-known musicians doing their interpretation of it. And I got asked to do it because i was in the original last waltz and i tried to bring some muddy waters and some blues to those shows and it was um gotta say it was an amazing experience for me to be around the musicians that were doing it like uh warren haynes and don was mm. are the musical directors wow. uh they uh, had jamie johnson a great country star uh was up there with us uh right from the very first ones uh michael mcdonald was playing hmm. piano and singing on on some of it john medesky uh genius piano player yeah uh that's you know, on the last tours that we did in last november uh, we also had uh well, one of the finest musicians i've ever ever seen and he's Uh, relatively young, Lucas Nelson.
1: Yeah, that guy is unbelievable, man. I've been listening to a lot of his stuff Um, lately. A lot of the young guys have been kind of blowing my mind. Of course, I don't think Lucas is that young anymore. He's probably in his mid-30s or so by now. He's
2: he's, he's 31, I think.
1: Oh, is he really? Wow. That guy is
2: really really getting up there.
1: (laughs) Well, that's Ryan's age. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas is a talented young fellow, man. He, he knocks me out. He's, he's got his kind of the same timbre of his dad's voice, but he, his writing, he takes it to another space. Uh, that's all I can say. I've been listening to his most recent release and talented guy. It just must be great fun, uh, going out and doing something like the last waltz. I was curious about that project. So, Do you guys play the songs that are in the movie or like like if you doing like the Muddy bringing the blues part portion of that show, you kind of just pick whatever you want to do and uh, and plug it in that spot. How does that work?
2: Well, I almost always do the song that was actually in the movie that Muddy did, which is Manish Boy. Right. But uh, it was going over, so all the promoters asked me, uh, have you got anything else? <laughs> and I said, well... Um, A little bit. he <laughs> also did at, at the uh, at the last waltz concert, Muddy and Top also sang the song Caledonia together. So I did that, and they asked me, well, do you have anything else? And I said, well, actually, at the last waltz afterwards... All the musicians hung around in the hotel and had a big jam. And about seven o'clock in the morning, the next morning, Bob Dylan came in and kind of commandeered the instruments that were in this rehearsal space that was turned into a party room and uh, started a blues jam. And uh, he had me playing with him but uh, also Eric Clapton uh Levon Helm Paul Butterfield Ron Wood wow. Dr John and yeah did I say Paul Butterfield yep. and, yeah and uh well then he must have played twice uh <laughs> but that was, that was an amazing jam to look around and see those people there and uh, I won't see that again
1: no i was Although, just reading in your book about that experience. And you, you said Dylan sang, I, you, you were very kind about it and, and, and everything, but you said he brought his own way of, of blues singing. Do you remember what song he sang?
2: He sang Robert Johnson songs. I remember he did Kind-Hearted Woman. So on the last Wall shows, I, I would do that with uh, huh. whoever was on, on stage and uh, the uh, Don was, would just sit down and, and listen shaking his head like he had the blues and uh i did some sometimes did that song just as like uh on the spot blues jam but we had uh in 2017 when we did it we had uh, taj mahal and dr john up there as well wow uh so it is it, it's, it's amazing to me to have been around such great musicians when I was very young, but now it's happening again. I got to tell you, though, that the most inspiring thing that is happening to me right now is the young musicians that uh, are at the workshops or have been at the workshops for the Ponta Perkins Foundation masterclasses, which Mm -hmm. have been going on for 10 summers now. Pontop yeah. himself was actually alive during the first one in 2010. Uh, but uh, to meet and see young musicians with so much talent and social grace, people always say, oh, Bob, it's w- wonderful that you're mentoring these kids. I say, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to get them to be my life coach. These these kids are so smart and so talented and so cool. And... Uh, I." Uh, have friendships with them they just happen to be younger than my socks
1: i hear you man (laughs) i've been doing this band with ryan here the last five years and two of his buddies are in it and they're 30 something and it's it's been great for me i mean i've done a lot of different kind of projects over the years and but i've never been in a band that three there's three members in it that are uh let me see 30, 30 some years younger than i am and uh I don't know. I don't, I hear young people kind of getting a, a little grief about this and that these days, but my experience has been, it's, it, I, I can see how that would be very inspiring for you. We've got, had a couple out of Colorado be down there, Grace Kush and, uh, Austin Young, I think has been down there for those two, I believe, right?
2: Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh we've been making, uh, videos, uh, With the through the Pontop Foundation, and uh, today I just recorded a uh, voiceover for an introduction for a video that Grace is doing for us. Nice, and uh, and Austin Young, an incredibly talented musician, uh, from from Colorado. Uh, I, I haven't seen or talked to him in quite a while, but I miss him and uh. I enjoy his company whenever I can.
0: Yeah, well, he went and got married, you know, so sometimes that'll change your focus a little bit. Yeah, he's had his plate full the last few years because I know he also had to go do a semester abroad for college. I mean, Austin's also incredibly intelligent. He graduated at the top of his class in college, so that that cut into his uh, guitar playing time a little bit, but can't fault him for that. I mean, he's just an ambitious dude. He really is.
1: Talented guy, and... We got Nick Clark. Did Nick? Nick uh, did he go to the Pine Top workshops ever? I'm, I'm not Nick, sure.
2: Nick did. Nick did once or twice. And the last time I saw him was in January in Memphis, uh, right during the IBC. And I, I believe I, I saw you from a distance there, Kyle. Yep. Yep. I think, I, right. I, think, I, I, think I, I was. I walked by that little pizza place on the corner, uh, <laughs> uh, and. I was talking to somebody and I was going to the rum boogie and somebody came up and said, Hey, that's Kyle back there. And we kind of waved. That was my (laughs) wife.
1: She, she, she will She's corral like that. people.
2: Yeah, she will corral
1: <laughs> people. She,
2: well, but, she, uh, she she, corralled me. She herded me like a border collie. She'll
1: do that, man. Uh, she so did the, the same
0: thing to me. One of the funniest <laughs> things to watch was uh, watching her do that with BB King. Yeah. So <laughs> Kyle got the opportunity to with the uh, Delta Sonics to open up for BB at uh, the Fox Theater. No, it's at the Boulder Theater. Or Boulder Theater, that's right. And yeah. um, And, you know, we're... Allowed to hang out in back since he was uh, you know, in the opening band. So and she's just going around chatting with all the band members and stuff. And in the middle of BB's set, she asked one of his handlers if uh, you know, it'd be all right to grab an autograph because dad brought with one of his records and and the the guy said, "Mm, No, probably not. You know, it was definitely like not cool. And as soon as he comes off a stage, she just pushed past all of his handlers and gave him a big hug and oh hi. (laughs) <laughs> By the way, you should be my husband.
1: <laughs> like, That's like Karen
0: <laughs> She's just and BB didn't seem to mind
1: at all. He he seemed to you know, he likes pretty girls and Karen's a pretty girl, so
0: that was probably a better opener than uh yeah than your old ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But yeah, it was cool seeing you down there, Bob. I, I knew you were busy and, and uh you all got a million things going on with the Blues Foundation and everything, so I hate to impose upon people when they're doing stuff, but we watched most of the show at the rum boogie that night from up above uh, on Wednesday night when you were playing. And I just, you got a good thing going on, Bob. You're so gracious. Uh, you know, you just, there were some other talented young guitar players there and you just step back and let them do their thing. And uh, it was a great night of music. You know, we really enjoyed it. Karen and I sat up there the whole night and, Watched you go, and it was it was killer,
0: man. Quite enjoyable. As a young guy in the scene, that's often kind of had a hard time get getting some ups. You know, it could be hard to break into the scene. I really appreciate what you've been doing, especially like taking your showcase at the Rum Boogie out, down in Memphis. So I've seen you down there three times now. Yeah. To take your position and, and use that to give a boost up to some of these young players that are out there. I think that's a really admirable thing you do.
2: Uh, it's a great opportunity for me to hang out with all kinds of talented people. And uh, that's, that's the way I see it. It's a real blessing.
1: So the Viztone thing, I, I don't know enough about that. And I wanted to ask you about it while I had you on here. If you could talk about it a little, it's a unique kind of record label. It's not a normal record label. I know that much. Uh, uh, what, what is the kind of framework of Viztone? Can you talk about it well, a little Vistone
2: bit? Vistone is a label group. Independent artists, okay. uh, we partner with them rather than uh, be a traditional record company. And it's they pay for their own production, but they get it exactly as they want it. And if we like it, actually, if we love it, we work together with them <laughs> and to promote it. And it's a good... Um, business model for the present times uh the old, old days are kind of gone yeah but uh it, it works for us and it started off with a record that i did uh in about 2006 that came out in 2007 called in north carolina and now we've got about 150 releases in the years since uh some of them have been wow uh, you know three or four of them have, have been mine but uh just many, many wonderful, uh, musicians past and present and hopefully future too.
1: Yeah. Right. So it's, I'm assuming it's, is it set up like a nonprofit or an S-Corp?
2: It's, uh, an unintentional nonprofit. No, seriously, (laughs) seriously, uh, seriously, uh, some of the albums do well. Some of them don't. It's, uh, it is certainly a business, and uh, it operates like a record label in a lot of ways in that we get our artists' uh, professional distribution and professional publicity, but uh, mm. it's they, they are still independent in that they own their own masters and uh, decide on the content of their albums. Uh, and if if we like it, which sometimes we do, uh, then everybody uh, gets a good good shot at doing well them and us.
0: That's a really yeah. forward thinking idea yeah. of how to run that. I gotta say, yeah, it really is. Because
1: other other labels and other you know companies have to use a similar template. Uh, You guys kind of started this early on, and this is with Amy Bratt. Did I hear that right? Amy
2: uh, has been a partner for the last few years with us, and uh, she brings Mm -hmm. a lot to the table. She's very smart. She knows how uh, music and publicity work. She's friends with just about everybody now and very, very creative. And uh, it's great for me to have her... uh, talent uh uh, applied to like say my facebook posting uh if i'm doing anything Mm -hmm. i mean i put up cute doggy pictures now and then Mm -hmm. but uh (laughs) and sometimes uh you know i'll share some music videos but uh if i'm doing something for myself she knows the right time to post it she knows uh you know how the best way to do it to uh, get the most visibility and I don't know those things yeah. I just you know know how to use a uh, laptop and a and an iPhone but, uh, right. but that doesn't mean I know the best way to use them but she does
0: uh, that's a good thing to have yeah. I mean well I, I that was one of the lines I popped off with on an old band of mine we had a um, some bill that we were supposed to play around town and they were like, okay, well, you have to go get these posters printed up and you know, throwing all this marketing stuff at us. And I told them, it was just like, look, man, if I'd spent the last you know, 15, 20 years of my life learning how to do marketing, I'd have an apartment at Sixth Avenue right now, but I haven't. I've been <laughs> learning how to play a guitar. So having that, those yeah. resources available for us, uh, us musician types, that, that's, a, that's a really good thing to, to build a pipeline for to build some access. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yes, it is. Um who do you like to listen to, Kyle? I'm not Kyle. I mean Ryan. Oh man, uh, I I'll, I'll take it. I'll, 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 I'll take it from both though.
0: <laughs> I listen to a little bit of everything. I oh, mean I, growing up with my dad here who's who is uh a self admitted blue snob back before there was even a word for such a thing. Um that's definitely what I grew up on. Um so a lot of the early records in my in our house were a lot of the Muddy Waters records and um A lot of Almond Brothers. I mean, we we went to go see the Almonds about a bazillion times. And uh, I I listened to my CD of the Fillmore East so many times, I actually wore my CD out. (laughs) (laughs) So, a lot of that blues rooted stuff. Um, But I I get around a little bit, you know. Um, I I was like a metal guy in high school for a while. So, there's a, a history of that but uh these days as far as the newer guys i'm listening to um i've especially been a lot into uh, jd simo and of course marcus king who's been making some huge waves Uh, those are some of my favorite guys who are out right now i mean those guys just keep producing kick-ass record after kick-ass record
2: yeah i I saw marcus king at a uh, benefit for the blues foundation in new york city in 2017 and uh Mm. wow he's a great singer and a great guitar player i really enjoy him a lot yeah i i saw him by accident yeah.
0: actually our our current bass player uh nick polly he lived near this club on the north end of town and i hadn't seen him in a while and so we he we were he had some buddies that were opening up for him but neither of us had heard of him before but we just bopped into this club to to watch these openers and we're kind of hanging around and you know talked about maybe kicking back to his place and playing some songs and He's like, well, you wanna at least hang out and watch the the headliner for a couple songs? And we're like, yeah, sure, okay, I guess. And we both just stood there for the rest of the set with our jaws dropped to the floor. I think this might have been like 2015, 2016. It was right before he started getting a lot of national mm. attention. And uh yeah. I, I went up, I, I, I usually don't like go, you know, have stuff signed or talk to people afterwards. I know you're kind of in that space sometimes, but I went up and had him sign my ticket and I was like, I got I got a feeling you're going places, dude. And I think he was yeah. just turned 20 years old at the time and he was such a nice guy. He said, Oh man, I, I really hope you're right about that. And I was like, dude, I don't think you have to worry about it.
1: <laughs> the guy is amazing. I just listened to a podcast where he got interviewed and playing some of his new records and um, Eldorado is his new release. Good Lord. The guy sings like uh, Al Green, you know, and, and plays great guitar. And So yeah, for me, I try to, it's cool to be hanging around younger guys. I would have never checked out, like for instance, the Black Keys had it not been for Ryan. I would have never, I would have never heard of them, even though they sell their records, go platinum. So to be able to check out that kind of stuff, have you listened to the Black Keys, Bob?
2: No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know who I know who they are and what they do, and I guess it's a blues-based duo. But uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't heard them.
1: It's, it's interesting. I mean, the guitar player has a well of, of blues, you know, some, some licks, some standard stuff and some stuff that he's embellished upon. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very loose it blows my mind that these guys have done this as a duo and recorded their records in their garage and had this huge success. I mean, I, I like it. Um, I can think of guys that could do it easily, you know, like a person such as yourself could do it as well, or maybe even a lot better. Um, and not to, not to slight those guys as talent. It's just is what it is, you know, and, and they're good, but um <clears throat> It just blows my mind that they've had the success they have had. And I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it's one of those little music business mysteries that just, just happened to, They they must've struck a chord with, I think with it came at, at just the um, right
0: time for them. Cause they, they were coming up right around the same time that the white stripes were, which those two bands often get lumped in mm-hmm. together, but being that it is a sort of mm-hmm. garage rock um, blues rooted music and I, I just think there's a stretch there where there's just some hunger for it and i see that cycle come around every now and again where whether people know it or not they they want something that has a little bit more root in the blues
1: yeah well it's a timeless timeless thing and i you know i i uh, uh, you're you're an inspiration to us out here bob um, i mean i think I, as i've gone through your discography and uh yeah, you have played with a lot of extremely noted people. I mean, I, I'm looking at uh, uh, coming out of into the early '90s and uh, the Chicago Blues album, which looks like it was made in Austin. And you had Jimmy Rogers on there, and you have Kim Wilson, you know, and 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 guys like Kaz Kazanov working on it. And uh, it's 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 really something to step back and look at. Uh, you have every right to be proud of, of this, uh, of this legacy you've, you've created and you're still doing it, which is great. And to continue to nurture it with the, with the, with the pine top foundation thing and bringing young people along. It's, it's really something, man.
2: Good on you. I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm working harder than I, than I ever did just to keep making music. It's, uh, A lot of people are working from home these days, and I'm hoping that something good is going to come out of that. Uh, Yeah. Just just, uh, a couple of days ago, I sent a video of me playing a a Muddy Waters song, playing a guitar part and singing it, and leaving space for a harmonica and vocal. And I sent it to a friend Mm. of mine in Switzerland, and uh you can check it out. He he just put it up on his uh Facebook page and uh, shared it to mine. His name is Bonnie, B-O-N-N-Y, but it's not like Bonnie the girl's name, it's named after Saint Boniface right. and uh Bonnie B and he's a great, great blues uh singer and he plays uh harmonica and uh also cigar box guitars uh real well he has his own blues school blue school in switzerland and uh, his own blues pub and uh he put this very nice uh collaboration i i recorded my part sunday he recorded his part yesterday and today people all over the world are singing it or are seeing it Isn't singing it. i don't know if they're, they're singing it maybe they'll sing along but uh <laughs> there there are collaborations happening and meanwhile I'm trying to make uh, videos by myself at home it's just like playing live.
0: <laughs> well Bob uh, you know we've been uh, keeping you on the line here for quite a while I don't want to hang you up too much longer so I just wanted to ask you uh, one more question here and then we can let you get rolling. Um, so you seem like uh, you've done a really great job sort of uh, embracing the changing times here and I mean, with what you're doing with VizTone is really forward thinking and and sort of, uh, I I think you've done a good job adapting to the modern circumstances, but that also has given you a wide breadth of sort of being able to spend time with these guys that were at the very cutting edge of the recording music industry. And now you're sort of doing some stuff that's on the bleeding edge of where things are going and have been able to uh, maintain a lifelong career in this business. Um, do you have any particular advice that you would send out to people who are maybe starting out their career or in the early days of it and uh, what they can do to maintain a lifelong
2: career like you have? Business-wise, watch what I do very closely and then do the
1: opposite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a terrible businessman because, and now here's where the real advice comes in, i just follow my heart and that does that rarely leads to money uh there's a t-bone walker sign song from a long long time ago uh that has a, a line in it that i just love is give me the rainbow and keep the pot of gold uh i'd like to make enough to make a living but uh the pot of gold is what i enjoy right now uh I'm home, and it's uh, going to be sunset here soon in North Carolina. Uh, I've got two dogs on the porch with me, and I'm uh, talking to you virtually on a a laptop. I'm pretty happy uh, living this way. I am living like a billionaire without the money.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the going
2: down slow song. No, I I'm know I'm, I ain't going I down. <laughs> you, you, you go down any speed you, you choose.
0: <laughs> All right, Bob. Well, thank you for taking this time to hang out and talk with us and, and uh, share some of your nuggets of wisdom and some of your stories, man. We really appreciate it. Well,
2: really, Bob. Thank you so much. Well, man. thank you. Have a good time with my nuggets. <laughs> well, well do. Well All do. right, you have a great <laughs> evening, brother. You too. Thanks, guys. It is-